Smith, a bi-weekly conversation about the craft of sermon preparation, and my name is John Chandler. Glad to have you back. want to let you know that I'm going to take a brief hiatus from Sermon Smith. It's uh, the end of July as this one is coming out. I'm going to take a little bit of break here for the rest of the summer, catch up on a few things, doing some house projects, and then we will kick back off in the fall. So if you're newer to the podcast, uh, we've been going for two years straight with two episodes a month, so we're over 50 And one of the great things about these conversations is they stay pretty timeless. So if you're newer, I encourage you to work your way back through while we're in this this little bit of a break, and we'll be back in the fall. But we are not done yet because we do have one more conversation to go here with Justin Morgan. Justin is the preaching pastor of a church plant called Church on Morgan. No connection between his name and the name of the church. It's just the street that they are on. And I found Justin through a mutual friend. Really enjoyed the conversation I had with him. I know I say that every time, but these are fun conversations for me. So I really enjoy them every time. I hope you'll enjoy it too. Before we get into it, today's partner is Logos Bible Software. If you go to logos.com backslash sermonsmith, you can get 15% off any base package. And if you use the code there that they have available to get that discount, there will also be a portion of that that will come back as a way to support the podcast. So thanks for doing that. I just received another little check from them this week from uh, someone who in the last quarter had purchased Logos. And so we got some support for that. Thank you very much. That said, here we go with Justin Morgan. I'll s- remind me just before, what's the yeah. name of your church? Yeah. So church on Morgan. Church on Morgan. So it's uh, uh, the really short version of this is actually uh, Church on Morgan is a multi-site community of a 205-year-old uh, Methodist church called Edenton Street United Methodist Church. Um, and it's named that because it's on Edenton Street. And the yeah. reason we named this new faith community Church on Morgan, uh, I have to always joke with people, we're not starting a cult because my last name's Morgan. <laughs> right, right. But the, our new property where this site is located is on Morgan Street. So kind of our, if you're in, you know, our branding or whatever to continue is that we're just, each of our future sites will be named after the street they find themselves on, which is a way to anchor ourselves to the neighborhood and keep a very kind of parish-driven model. So Church on Morgan is a multi-site community, a part of a larger umbrella church, Edenton Street, United Methodist Church. Yeah, you change one letter, it gets creepy, though, because you go from church on Morgan to church to, of uh, Morgan. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and it, well, in our church, it's on the corner of Morgan and uh, a street called Blunt Street, and uh, but it's spelled B-L-O-U-N-T. Yeah. And, um, and we had this long conversation about whether it should just be church on Blunt, because then it wouldn't be any confusion with me. But the problem is that nobody knows how to say that word here because right. they look at it and people are like blount or blunt or blunt. And we, and so we were just like, forget it. We'll just go with church on Morgan. I'll, you know, probably get fired in a year or two anyway. Who knows? <laughs> so it's like the church will still be here long after me. And, uh, but, and so, it helps orient people. So how far in is the church? Yeah. So, uh, man, there's a lot of different ways to answer that question, but, uh, we've been dreaming about it for probably four or five years. Uh, but it, then it came a time to sort of figure out as a, this is our first experience as a multi-site church. Yeah. Um, and so we had to figure out what that meant for us. And uh, the, the short answer to that is we 
we feel very committed to the city of Raleigh. So we're not really interested right now in moving 15 and 20 miles out kind of thing. Um, and we're not a video feed sort of setup. Uh, we've got a, um, our, our original campus here, uh, at Edenton Street. It's got a, um, a really beautiful traditional service and a big Gothic cathedral kind of, um, sanctuary that can seat, you know, 1200 people or something. And then about 10 years ago, we started a contemporary service, um, that meets in our fellowship hall, like lots of churches oh, have. Yeah. Um, and, uh, those both attract slightly different crowds. Um, and we just sort of saw the fruit and why not continue that trend of trying to reach increasingly diverse people groups, um, with new methodologies, but remain one church. So we don't have to go too far away from each other to, to do that. So our sites, our campuses, we even have a second site in the works already. And, um, you know, church on Morgan is six blocks from our main campus oh, wow. Okay. in our, um, and then our next campus after that is probably less than a mile from both. Okay. Um, and so they're, they're, uh, if you think about, well, Raleigh's not like a major city, it's about half the size of Austin, but, um, we're kind of taking on that idea of like cities are made up of neighborhoods yeah. and trying to have a, uh, an expression of our values and our beliefs in every neighborhood. So our main campus is, um, right next door to the capital of our state. We've been on the same corner for 200 years. Um, and so this church very much feels like, um, you know, lots of politicians, Right. And accountants and attorneys and lobbyists and the rest. Uh, but six blocks away is kind of our arts district of our city where all the great restaurants and galleries and a lot of the young entrepreneurs and tech companies are. That's where Church on Morgan is. It's right in the middle of all that. And, um, and so we're really trying to take on the flavor of that neighborhood and create an experience that would be, um, helpful for those sorts of folks. And then our next site in the works, which doesn't have a name yet, but it's in the southeast part of our city, uh, is a part of our city that's, um, predominantly African-American right now, although that's changing pretty quickly in lower income. And uh, and so that will also have its own complete sort of uh, distinctives of style and flair and, and all the rest. So, um, But I get the privilege of leading that first kind of experiment, which is called Church on Morgan. And so you're, uh, you're a multi-site of a main campus, but you're considered yep. the pastor of this church expression. That's right. Like how much is your, what's the relationship? How much does the the mother church, so to speak, have oversight and how much is it you have freedom of expression and what you're doing? Yeah. And I think we'll be answering that question for the next five years. <laughs> right. Um, but right now, uh, the, the way that we sort of answer this in-house when folks have concerns or questions or whatever is to say, we're, we're one church. We have one senior pastor who is over all of these sites. We have one um, for us, our kind of elder board is called an administrative board. So we have one administrative board for our, all of our church. We've got one, um, trustees, one finance, one budget. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, even as a church, we, we've chosen to stay, uh, blind to the money. So we can't sort of track how much is coming in from my site versus how much is coming in from another, uh, because we really feel called to the whole piece. And yeah. some, we just know some sites will be self-sustaining. Some won't be, some will be able to sustain another. Um, so, there's at the core DNA, it's sort of, we're clearly one church. Uh, but the freedom of expression is, uh, right now I've got, uh, quite a bit. So our traditional service is very traditional liturgy and, um, style and, you know, in some ways hasn't changed all that much in the last hundred years, probably. Um, and then our contemporary service, you know, 
not sort of being crass, but it's your sort of three songs in a sermon yeah, uh, yeah. kind of deal and bring your coffee and wear your jeans. Whereas in traditional or sanctuary service, it's lots and lots of blazers and bow ties and seersucker and all right, that. Right. And, uh, and then what we're doing kind of stylistically is uh, much more of kind of that both. And uh, I don't know what folks are calling it kind of the, um, if, if you're familiar kind of a little bit with like Trinity Grace Church in New York or sure. Ecclesia in Houston or, um, I guess Austin, you guys have Gideon sang out there, some yeah. of what they're doing and, or Gunger out or, um, Bloom in Denver, these kind of like, that's, it's very casual, like contemporary services have been, but it's bringing a lot of the liturgy and tradition back into worship. Right. Uh, but doing it with a, a pretty significant amount of education and still some flexibility there. So that's like our worship services are all fairly distinct. Um, and, uh, and so those could feel pretty different. Our, our children's ministry shares the same philosophy and curriculum at all of our sites. Um, our sermon series, which we'll, I'm sure talk about here in a little bit. Uh, right now, the recipe is that about half of the year, uh, we share a churchwide sermon series. Um, so that would be like, uh, there's a couple obvious times to do it. One is stewardship. So, you know, in the fall, uh, we will all be um, seeking financial commitments and talking about resources and money and stewardship, generosity, yeah. all at the exact same time at all of our campuses as one large campaign. And then also right now, because we have live preaching at all of our sites, um, just to give our pastors a little bit of a break, we share a sermon series across the whole summer. And that allows us to each basically write three sermons and then take them on the road through all of our sites. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, and, and that's fine. We don't have that many people in our congregation who would say, be worshiping in our contemporary service, but would listen to my podcast right. from Church on Morgan. You know, so um, we haven't really had an issue with that. So I'll preach sermon A at Church on Morgan, and then I'll go to our contemporary service the next week, and I'll take that same sermon to our sanctuary service third week. And that allows us all to get on vacation and take a break and yeah, our breath. So, but so so then for for you, it's half the year you're working with the whole team to define yeah. sermons, yeah. and then the other half of the year is it you whatever you're feeling like. How, how yeah. do you determine what you're preaching the rest of the year? Yeah. Um, so right now for us. Uh, when given the, what's really interesting in our church is that our senior pastor, um, he's been preaching probably for 30 years or so, but he, um, has been in a lot of traditional Methodist churches. And so he's preached basically the lectionary for 30 years. Wow. And it's only in the last four or five years, uh, that as we've begun to do sermon series here at Edenton Street, that he's kind of been exposed to that. And so have, uh, some of the, uh, folks who worship in that traditional service. And so uh, what's interesting is that he is more and more comfortable with sermon series and uh, and our sanctuary traditional folks are more and more excited by that. Uh, but like my, I grew up in contemporary church and have been in sermon series my whole life. And every time I get a chance for a little bit of freedom, I find myself wanting to go to the lectionary. That yeah. to me seems a little bit more freeing. And it's also... Um, fascinating to our people. Uh, those are the kinds of things they want to learn more about. The folks who are gathering at Church on Morgan is kind of these ancient practices and traditions and histories. And there's something powerful and compelling about I'm preaching out of the same text 
that's being preached sure. all over the world on this morning. And, and we also, um, as a community at Church on Morgan, developed kind of a shared rule of life for, we call it our rhythm. Yeah. And one of those is that we, uh, we read the same uh, scripture lesson daily. You get it in your email if you choose to subscribe. And it's out of the daily office. Um, you know, from the Book of Common Prayer. Yeah, so it lines yeah. right up with the seasons, the church, Christian calendar and seasons, that kind of stuff. So right now, um, you know, when I am not with our entire team on the sermon series or our whole church, I will typically go to the lectionary unless it's a specific season like, you know, in September or October, we're going to launch. And so we'll do a whole series just about our vision and values and that kind of stuff. Um, but Right now, that's where we're at on that kind of thing. And so when uh, – uh, we'll come back to lectionary here in a little bit because yeah, I, like, yeah. I like hearing people's process around lectionary. Yeah. Um, but when you are – when you're doing the series that, you know, all three services yeah, are yeah, doing, yeah. how much collaboration is there and what's that looking like? Yeah. So um, we uh, we go away all the clear- – there's five – uh, pastors on staff who regularly preach like 20 plus times a year. And, uh, the five of us go away twice a year. So we'll go away in, um, the fall and we will plan out sermon series, uh, from January through May. And then we'll go away in the, um, spring and we'll plan sermon series for June through December. So we kind of, in the fall, we plan out six, eight months in advance. Yeah. And then again, we do the same thing. So twice a year, we get away, we go, um, off to, we actually go to a young life camp that we have a connect connection with, and we'll go spend three days there and just get quiet in the mornings on our own and then come together in the afternoons. And we use that time to kind of discern, um, where we're at as a church, what do we need to be talking about? Are there things that our people need to hear? Is there stuff going on culturally or within our own community? Or um, are there things we haven't talked about in a good long while? Are there some strategic things we, you know, at certain times of the year we need to be talking about? Um, and we just, man, it's like lots of whiteboards and sticky right, notes and right. tons and tons of ideas. And we try to walk away from those weekends with at least having a, uh, a big idea and hopefully a title for the sermon series. Um, and then from there, you know, right now, this has been an evolution, but right now uh, there is a principle. There's sort of a primary preacher at each of those three spaces. Yeah. And so we don't really have to coordinate much with each other. Uh, as far as like week to week. So the idea is no matter where you go, we're all in the same sermon series and that kind of binds us together. Um, but you're not necessarily going to hear this. We're not going to all preach on the exact same text, may not even have the same point. So you're not even necessarily getting together the week before. Right. We're not necessarily getting the week. Now we, we have a lot of hallway kind of like, what are you doing with? And I can't figure out how to make this work or I'm trying to talk about that. And sometimes we're close. But the other thing that's sort of fascinating about our context, my church here, is that um, really, to me, is pretty rare. I haven't seen this many other places, but we've got four or five uh, of you know our preachers, I think, are all very good. Um, but we have four or five radically distinct styles. Um, mm. Like, n- no two of us are even close. I, it, I didn't, you know, it's, um, we're all over the, the board. And what's fascinating is for years, we would all rotate through all of the services and, uh, and we never saw kind of a impact on attendance. It's just one of these, even though 
for a while it felt kind of schizophrenic because one week could be like I'm I'm very much kind of teaching pastor or senior pastors much more kind of narrative you yeah, know Barbara yeah. Brown Taylor Frederick Beatner stuff um, another one of our associates is a really sort of powerful dynamic um, sort of call and response out of black church tradition kind of preacher yeah. I mean we're just all over the place and so we found in the beginning when we tried to try and preach sermons together you know on a week. It just, it didn't work. Like I, I couldn't do what, you know, my colleague Lisa would do and she, she wouldn't be comfortable with where I wanted to go. And, and Ned just, he, he wasn't the same thing. So, um, so we get the big umbrella idea together and we help each other out, but, um, it all remains our own voice. Right. Yeah. Well, talk about, talk about your process in particular then, and whether, whether you find it easier to talk about from the context of one of these series or whether you yeah. find it easier to talk about the context of lectionary or maybe yeah. they're very similar. I don't know, but why yeah, don't you yeah. talk us through like your process? Yeah. So, um, the, uh, I guess real quick about the difference of those two. Uh, I find that the sermon series, uh, I've got kind of two parts to my preparing for a, a, a sermon. So since I know what's coming six and eight months out, you know, I have um, kind of my radar up, borrowing a term from Rob Bell or whatever, but I have my radar up for anything that has to do with, so I, we're, we're preaching a series on Nehemiah in September and on leadership. So anything that grabs me about leadership or about Nehemiah or about building something right now, I'm just, I'm tucking it away and it's there. Um, Where? Uh, so... Right now I'm using Word documents. All of my yeah. friends think I'm like <laughs> so ancient and I know Evernote's supposed to be incredible, but I just have not been able to make the leap. So one yeah. day maybe, but right now it's just Word. It's just, uh, I'll open a Word document right now that'll just be for the whole Nehemiah series. And every time I get a something, I just drop it in there. Yeah. Um, and so for a sermon series, I find that I have a, I really like that, that I've got, three or four months where I'm just thinking about leadership and I'm dropping stuff in there all the time. But then the week of when I actually sort of in a sermon series that's built around a topic, which is what ours mostly are, I, I end up having a harder time the week of, um, making my way through the text and the, and the, you know, cause it's sometimes you get in that kind of eisegetical moment, right? Where yeah, you're just yeah. kind of like a uh, sermon searching for a text and I hate that. And that can make that week feel kind of rough. Um, I'm sort of in one of those moments this week right now, but glad, glad we could raise your anxiety here. I know, I know, I know in the moment, but the lectionary, um, the thing I love about the lectionary is the week of when I, when I sit down with the text, um, it always goes so much more smoothly for me, but I rarely, um, I don't read through all those lectionary texts six months in advance if I'm going to do that. And if I do read through them, there's so many things you could preach out of any given text. Yeah that that radar just isn't very defined. It's just hard for me to collect ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. And so I find when I preach a lectionary, I tip, I, lots of times I'll end up having less anecdotes and stories and things to work with, but uh, I'll have much better direction and I'll be anchored to the text better, you know, when, in the sermon. So they, they both have their pros and cons for me in preparation. Um, but, uh, but the week of uh, is, you know, on a good week uh, when I'm disciplined, uh, I do sermon prep in the mornings. I work four days a week and each day kind of has its own two or three hour, uh, agenda. Um, so ideally I'm spending about 10 to 12 hours a week on sermon prep. 
Yeah. And, uh, and Mondays for me is the text and commentaries. So I'll sit with the text first for just an hour and take down every note, every idea, every sort of rabbit trail I can imagine. Um, I'll look at a couple commentaries. I don't go crazy. I usually am in new interpreters commentary and like a Harper Collins Bible dictionary. Um, and maybe look, uh, you know, a thing or two up online. But, um, and once again, just in this word doc, I'm taking notes of anything that's grabbing me from the commentary. So that's, that's my Monday of text and commentary Tuesday. Well, and let me say yeah. it, it looks yeah. like you're sitting in a nice peaceful office. I assume you have an office at the main church building. I do. I yeah. do. I do. Yeah. You're, you're cheating as a church planter then. I know. Well, and, I'm, <laughs> and, I, and it's not because I, I've got, uh, um, sort of the, the great gift of being a part of this mother church that's sending us out and it's been great with their resources over the years. We're in great financial shape. They were able to actually buy a, a building. Uh-huh. So day one as kind of church planner, we're going to have our own building. We have offices yeah. there. It's going to be, so even when I move out of this office, I'll, I'll be able to move into another. Wow. Yeah. It'll actually be even quieter because there's only three staff there instead of 50, which is here. So, and so, um, when, and so when you're talking about the commentary and text and all that, is that, yeah. I mean, I see bookshelves behind you. Are you, yeah, a, yeah. are you a Bible software person or are you just, you love, cracking open the books i like the books i i'm a little old school now Now i've begun to move to like kindle for regular books yeah. in the last year or two but as far as commentaries i i haven't sort of jumped out there i know every time i go to a conference um i i see all of the software that's being promoted and it seems pretty powerful it's just one of those tyranny the urgent things like it just seems like one more software i have to learn and i yeah, don't know yeah. what week i'm gonna have an extra 10 hours to sit down and figure it all out but right um but, uh, yeah, I mean, and then also, you know, I've, whether it's uh blue letter Bible, you know, it's yeah. just a super easy thing for me to do word search through and track down Greek stuff or Hebrew if I need. Um, and so I have my kind of gimmicks, my sort of ways around the stuff to get it done. But, um, so yeah, so that's my Monday is I just sort of sit with the text and the commentaries and I'm just gathering stuff at this point. I'm just collecting. Um, and then Tuesday, uh, I will, I usually know after reading the text and commentaries, here's three themes, three ideas, or three kind of like worlds I could decide to live in this week. And I'll go from there to just searching for, um, you know, thinking about, uh, at that point, I'll just start going through my mind about podcasts I've heard, magazines that I've seen, uh, web blogs that I read, you know, anything online I'm searching, I'm trying to add to that. And is this, uh, is this stuff that you've, uh, you're just hoping you recall? Some of it, it's probably about half of it is recall. And then half of it is like, you know, I've been, um, I, I have notes of just random stuff that pops up. If I'm like, oh, that's good. I don't know what, but it's, yeah. and I have like a file with that stuff or notes on my phone is what I use a lot. Uh-huh. Um, or I'll take a picture of something on my phone and I, and I'll know it's a photo and I'll go find it. Or I've also, you know, I've, I've been, um, in ministry, I guess now for over 12 years. So I've got a pretty deep bank of old sermons and talks that I can search on my computer pretty quickly to find like, what was that quote or that book or that right, thing? Right. Um, so I'll just, I'll search kind of everywhere outside of the text in the commentary on Tuesday and just kind of really fill up that like bank of ideas. Yeah. And, uh, and then Wednesday for me is about, finding what's the one thing I care about. So I've got, usually by that point, I've got probably about 10 pages of just stuff. And I'll, typically for me, I don't know why, but I I print it out and I grab a highlighter and anything that like 
creates a, a, an emotional reaction in me, visceral, anything that I'm like, I got to tell them that, like, I got to tell that story or there's something about that I, I'm just interested in or I'm passionate about. I'll just highlight. Um, and then I just sort of look over all the highlighted things and go, is there any organizing thread here? Is there a theme of all the stuff that I collected? Why do I resonate with these 10 things, you know, and try and find out what that thread is, what that organizing principle is. Um, and, uh, and so every sermon of mine ends up having three documents. There's the first document, which is just the, a random collection of everything I've gathered. Yeah. The second document is everything I copied or highlighted off of that first document. I just copy all the good bits out that I'm connecting with into a second one. And then my third document is that I then outline, organize, sort what, what I resonated with. Um, and so, that's when it sort of takes the story and that's Thursday. But yeah. so Monday and Tuesday, you're just building that Gathering. one original document. Yeah. And then yep. Wednesday, it's like filter that, that document. filtering it all. Okay. And then Thursday it's organizing. Yeah. So I just gather for two days. I filter for one day, which is usually kind of painful. Um, cause there's things I love, but I realize they don't fit the right. thing that's grabbing me most. And then Thursdays when I sort of organize that into like what chunk comes first, second, third, fourth, what are my moves here? Um, and right now I'm, I've, I've typically got about three moves in a sermon, uh, these days. Um, and some of that's because of time. I used to have more like four or five. Hmm. Um, I, I came from kind of church background with 35 minute sermons. And so that's one of my, um, growing edges right now is I've, uh, because of the form of worship we're taking, um, that has a lot more liturgical moments in it and communion yeah. every week and things like that. I just, our sermon, uh, my challenge to myself has been to go to an 18 minute sermon, wow, uh, which has been really tough, but I, I was also just challenged and convicted. I read this book called talk like Ted yeah. and they talked about why the, these folks uh, analyzed all the most popular Ted talks and what did they have in common? And they have a whole chapter on the actual 18 minute thing. And they said that part of the genius of that is that they've just found that as soon as something good, that that's what makes um, uh, it memorable, that once you start to walk past 18, 20, 25 minutes, um, it's harder and harder for your audience to recall what you were talking about. There's too many things to hold on to. Mm. Um, and so there's this kind of organizing principle of 18 minutes seems to be like a sweet spot for retention. And uh, and I figured, hey, if these if these TED Talks – if they can talk about sort of the most compelling, engaging, powerful ideas in the world right now in 18 minutes, and they only get one shot to do it, and I got every Sunday, then there's got to be a way where I can get more discipline. So um, it hasn't been easy. I'm Right now, I'm probably more often than not at about 22 minutes, but mm. that's about 12 or 13 shorter than where I've been. So yeah. um, I'm making my way. But So part of that was giving up having four or five moves and moving to more of like a three-move structure, which for me is usually about move one is – Typically trying to create some sort of tension, yeah. uh, kind of why do you care to listen to me for the next, you know, yeah, yeah. 18 minutes. So, um, ask or formulate or some sort of question, name some sort of shared experience, um, create some form of tension where people go, okay, I guess I am interested in what this is all about. So move one is usually create that tension. Move two is typically my kind of exegetical moment. Um, now that we're listening, here's what the scripture has to say about this. Um, and then the third move is, uh, typically a, a much more like practical. So what, so now what, so how do we, uh, make sense out of that? Or what do we do with that? And what if we did it or why won't we, you know, um, 
And, uh, and so that's like, kind of my... You feel like that happens almost every week, that three... Yeah, I think so. I, I think part of it is... Um, I'm a, I, I grew up in the church my whole life. You know, I'm, I'm 35 now. I've heard a million sermons. Um, and, um, and so I, I, I think I'm just, a, I'm sensitive to, um, the person or the skeptic or the, the someone sitting there who would, you know, um, say that, there's no reason to tune in or to listen, or this is an easy moment to tune out. Like I'm always trying, I'm not assuming my audiences basically yeah. um, because I'm actually a really hard audience myself. Which, um, but that's actually pretty hard to do when you've been in church your whole life. Yeah. Too. Yeah. 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 So that's uh, um, like just this week, you know, um, uh, I had a conversation, you know, with somebody who um, has not been in church their whole life. They started coming about six weeks ago and they've been like every single week. And, um, trying to figure out, like, I'm always, especially with those kinds of folks, those are the ones I really want to connect with. And I want to hear from about our service, about my preaching, about that kind of stuff. Cause they don't have the church filter that kind of makes it all okay yeah. or whatever. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'm, I was learning this week was I, I have this kind of like, for me, I think sometimes it's crutch, this preacher trick where in the beginning, if I, if I don't have uh, a story or a joke or something that has a lot of laughter, energy, or buzz, I'll do one of these kind of like, hey, I'm going to ask you a question, talk to your neighbor or whatever. And it just fills, puts energy in the room and makes me feel good. It helps me kind of warm up. Um, but they basically said, you know, when you invite us to talk to our neighbors and stuff like that, it just feels out of place. It's a little bit huh. awkward. And, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like if I was sitting in their seat and I was at a church that I wasn't running the service, yeah. more often than not, that isn't helpful to me. Right. I hate that. Uh, yeah. But I, but I just like, but when I'm preaching, I, and if I don't have something there, I often will do that. And, uh, and so this week it was another one of those like, well, here we go. Uh, you're right. And so I got to find a way to be more compelling or, or work harder and not use that sort of lazy moment or whatever. But, but I think it's that sort of sense of like, I'm not assuming anybody's listening. And, um, and so I'm always sort of critiquing how we're doing this and is it working? And, and so I just feel like I'm always arguing for people's attention, you know? And so that's why I try to create that tension almost every week, try to answer it. And then I'm also just, I'm a INTJ. I got a strong J. I want to action. I want something done. I want to move forward. Hmm. Part of the Wesleyan tradition is very much about sort of response and our ability to respond to, to God's grace and to, uh, to see change happen in our, you know, agency and all of that. And so that's a, uh, I also just um, spent a lot of my life listening to Andy Stanley and he just is so intent um, about sort of practicality. Is it helpful? Can people, uh, will this change their lives, you know? And so that's always kind of a, a part of my sermon too, is just huh. what are we going to do with this? But yeah. Are, are both of those pretty easy for you to come up with? Or are they hard work? The tension and the the call to action, so to speak. Yeah, I think those are both pretty easy for me because um, I, I in that process when I'm just when I'm gathering stuff, I think I'm looking for uh, I think my filter is in some way tension. It's I've read this text 50 times and I'm honest enough with myself to say I'm not inspired by it right now. So I got to find some tension that makes me care about it. And usually when I find that, that's what I'm going to take with me. You know, uh, I'm also a little bit of kind of a. 
Uh, and this can be, this can work against me, but I'm a bit of an insight junkie, you know, like I'm always looking for that new perspective or that yeah, new yeah. turn or that angle that no one's heard before. I've never heard before that helps me hear this text I've heard 50 times before fresh. Um, and that's usually somewhere in the mix of the tension is this kind of like, well, maybe we haven't really been listening or maybe there's another way to hear this or, um, that kind of thing. So I think that's, that's where I learn in the process. You know, that's where I find the joy in prep is that I myself am, am kind of discovering something. Um, and so that is there for most weeks. And if it's not there, those are usually pretty weak sermons for me. Cause I, I, if I don't have any tension, it typically means that I didn't find anything in the passage, honestly, that I cared that much about, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just got up and said some churchy things and, and we all went on. So I, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I, I don't feel like I have a level of just a minute. I just unplugged my headphones. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll probably forget to edit that out. So hi everybody. Um, I, I think that I, I, uh, I've just come to discover that the the more that I feel like I've identified the tension, the more yep. com comfort and confidence I have going into a sermon. Yeah. And I feel like the ones where I don't feel like I've identified attention are the ones yeah. that I've, you know, I'm laying in bed Saturday night going, oh, my right. gosh, what am I going to do with this? So yeah, 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 it's yeah. a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah. And a few people along the way have identified it. So I don't know if it's a universal truth for everybody that they do it better. And there's only some that have identified the need for that tension or yeah. if it's just some of us really need that tension. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love it. I, I'm, I'm the same way. So you talked about the third document that comes together on Thursday, which yeah. is your, outline. I, I think you said an outline. Yeah. So how detailed is that? What's it look like? So, um, <clears throat> I tried to be a, when I, when I was in seminary, uh, we had a manuscript sermons and I just, it's really, really hard for me to do it. Um, and, uh, and I also, because I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I will sit there as much as I tell myself to just keep moving. I will sit there and wrestle with a phrase or a word for hours and just lose time. Yeah. So I learned pretty on, pretty early on that unless my writing style changed, I wasn't going to be able to manuscript sermons and, and be a decent pastor the rest of the time. So, um, my outline tends to be, um, kind of my first draft of it um, is just basically like bullet points. And I usually put some extra spaces between those three moves. So if you were to look at like a, a, one of my sermon outlines and its earliest draft, it would have like five or six bullets, three blank spaces, five or six bullets, three blank spaces, uh, five or six bullets. And then within each of those parts, I'll kind of move them around a little bit and I'll think through the transitions in my head. Like, how do I get from bullet one to bullet two? How does that story connect to that insight about the text? Or how does that quote move into that picture or, you know, whatever. Um, and then once I, I found the, basically the narrative structure of my talk and I know the transitions work and I can see how I'm leading them on a journey and move one is ultimately about this and move two is about this and move three is about that. Then I typically will look at my outline and I'll try to uh, strip away almost every unnecessary word. I want to make it as slight as possible so I use it barely. Yeah. Um, and that's one of my goals this year really is to to get to not having any notes at all. Um, I think I could probably do it, but I'm just still scared to jump. Mm -hmm. But my where I'm at now is my outline really does more often than not look like 
you know, one or two words, like each bullet is just one or two words, like story uh, about Levi, you know, or, yeah. you know, whatever, which is great for that morning. It's so not helpful a year later when I go back and I'm like, what was that thing I talked about in the sermon? I'm like, story about Levi. I have no idea what that is, you know. Um, I've but done it, that multiple yeah. times for the yeah. same reason. Yeah, it's just so that's um, nobody could preach from it. Nobody could even make sense of it. Um, th- that was one of the unfortunate parts. We actually have a woman here at our church who's hearing impaired and uh, and she comes to work worship every Sunday and she asked the pastors to provide her a manuscript so she can read along while you're preaching. And, you know, that's in our traditional service. And those weeks were so hard for me. Um, cause I, I was so torn between yeah added hours to kind of get that for her versus, you know, the rest, but, um, kind of found a middle ground where I would give her the thickest form of my outline and she was <laughs> gracious enough to be like, this will be okay, you know, yeah. but I doubt it made much sense to her. So, yeah. Um, but that's, yeah. So that's kind of where, uh, what I'll take with me Sunday morning into, uh, the pulpit, which is, I do it off an iPad. I just, that's the one thing I do use Evernote for. I'll just drop all my PDF. I'll just save those outlines as PDFs and drop them in Evernote and I just open them up and I'm good to go for the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Evernote can do more than that. For I you. know it can. It's like such an embarrassment. They're like, just keep it in Word. No, no. I mean, you're you're certainly not the first. So, but as you're go, I mean, you talk about you type them in Word. But what you're out for uh, Chipotle with yeah. with your? I don't even know if you have kids, but I, I imagine do. you have a child named Levi based on what yeah, you said. Right. So you're out for Chipotle with Levi, and an idea comes, and you don't have Word right there. What do you yeah. like? What's your process for making sure you don't lose that? Yeah, so it's I use the Notes app on my iPhone. Okay, yeah, phone pretty much always with me. And then if uh, and more and more, I try to um, be thinking visually too. So I'm I'm trying to capture more and more photos on my phone. I found that those are, uh, I mean, the the insights and the nuggets are great. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I do voice memos. Um, if I'm in the car and I don't want to text and drive, or I kind of still working out a sermon idea and it's longer than a three or four sentence, I'll do a voice memo on my phone or. Yeah. So those are kind of the three photos, voice memos and notes. And, uh, but pretty quickly within 24 hours, I'll probably move it to that document. Um, so that I don't forget it. Right. And so you said you finish on Thursday, that outline, but you don't yeah. pitch till Sunday. So what happens in those 48 hours? So Friday is, uh, my day off. And then Saturday is kind of, it can go either way. Uh, it depends if I've got a wedding or, you know, an event at church or stuff like that. Um, Right now, I'm lucky in that uh, our worship service is at 11 o'clock. And so I get, but we have like our whole church staff meets on Sunday mornings uh, at 8 a.m. for prayer and sort of getting ready for all the other services that are happening that day. So uh, I'm here at 8 a.m. And then at 8.30 when we're done with our staff meeting, uh, I've got two and a half hours to review kind of my outline to make any final tweaks. Yeah. Uh, to adjust a slide or to add a photo or to, to do something like that. Um, and, but I, I also, I just have found there's like, uh, on Sunday mornings, there's about, it's, it's good for me to take about 20 to 30 minutes and to review my outline It's probably bad for me to take huh. much more time than that. Yeah. Um, because then I end up obsessing and getting caught up in stuff that I don't need to. And I just, uh, I need to, I need to, 
mostly know it, but not have it memorized. You know, I need to be able to get up there and kind of, if there's a, a moment where I have to transition something else or, and also I found that when I would get over prepared, um, sometimes I would miss a point or I'd forget something and then I would be like stressing out about it. Um, and obsessing about it and trying to figure out how to weave it back in and just the whole flow would go off. Whereas when I hold it a little more loosely, like I know what the big idea is here. I know what I'm ultimately trying to communicate. I've got some great points and ideas. Um, but if I hold it more loosely like that, I tend to do a lot better. And so that's why I try not to overbake it Sunday morning, just 15, 20 minutes, review it. And then during worship, I really try to put it down. Yeah. I think when I was younger and beginning to preach, I would spend the entire worship service in the front row of the church reading over my notes while everybody else is singing. And I'm just like this, uh, I just kind of got to grow up a little bit around that. So for the last year or so, I've just decided I'd I'd rather worship with my community and miss a point than, um, than set that example. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I jotted this down in the middle because I didn't want to disrupt. But when you do do lectionary, you know, you talked about Monday at sitting down with the text. Yeah. At what point do you choose? It sounds like you only preach from one of the lectionary texts, maybe. So at yeah. what point in that process are you determining the text and how do you determine? Yeah. Sometimes we do. Um, sometimes I'll just ahead of time uh, decide. Like, so in Advent, a lot of years, the way we'll keep it fresh if we're in the lectionary is that uh, we'll just like, you know, one year the Old Testament lessons are all Isaiah. So I'm just like, we're just going to hang on Isaiah. And that almost gives me a frame. Or um, this year we're doing We're going to do the Luke Advent text or, you know, whatever. So sometimes I'll just make those decisions kind of uh, before I even read any of the text. Hmm. Um, and other times I'll, it, that won't be predetermined and it will be, you know, Lent or something. And I'm just open to anything, what feels closest to where we're at or where I'm at. And that really does tend to be more of a just reading all four of them and probably even giving all four, um, a little bit of commentary time just to see, am I missing? There might be something in here that's really beautiful that I'm not catching that I, I don't, you know, so, uh, but I do typically land on one, um, and, uh, that, yeah. So yeah, sometimes I just predetermine it and other times it's just whichever text kind of grabs me the most. So you mentioned talk like Ted, you mentioned, uh, the, the new interpreters and the Harper Collins, other, other books about speaking, preaching, or just being a person or mm-hmm. other Bible resources that you find super helpful. Yeah. So, um, I think I was, I was trying to think about that. I mean, I, I, I do a lot of things for preaching. Some of my resources that I think are helpful are ones that lots of people would have. I've got, you know, I went to seminary with a number of, and made some great friends. And so I've got this like, you know, little Rolodex, four or five people that I just, um, am quick to call and they're quick to call me to talk through theology ideas, whatever. So I, I've got a, a, a number of friends that I, I connect with around this stuff. Hmm. Um, I am a big uh, reader. I love books. I've, I've just, I'm drowning in books all the time. So I've got a pretty extensive library now that um, for most topics, I, I, it will call to memory a book or two that are, is about this that I'll grab off the shelf. Um, you know, obviously Google and stuff like that is all uh, big, but I think the ones that, Maybe not everybody that's a preacher necessarily always taps into, but I find a lot of life in uh, our magazines. I I really, um, I still, and I like the uh, 
to have them in my hand, but um, every year I subscribe to about four or five and I change it up a little bit, but they're just always sitting there at home and on the coffee table. And it's, and I, I could be about anything. I mean, I get um, a magazine about sort of Southern culture. Uh, I often rotate between the New Yorker or the Atlantic. There'll be great news stories or quotes or poetry or interesting things in there. Uh, I love mental floss just because it's just a gathering of so many random insights, tidbits, data. And I regularly find um, stuff there. Fast Company uh, often yeah. has some really thoughtful things just about culture and the world and technology. And um, I love making those connections, you know, to the text, to the world that we find ourselves in. So magazines are really helpful for me. Um, for more like life, uh, my sort of way to get inside the head of some of my people, I think, or just people in general tends to be more through podcasts. Um, I love, you know, a lot of the sort of traditional ones people listen. I listen to this American life. Um, I like lately I've really enjoyed Ted radio hour. Um, fresh air I think is brilliant, you know, depending on who's being interviewed so many times, uh, you just get somehow Terry Gross will lead people into these deep introspective, uh, and you get these ideas, these quotes, these stories, these voices from pop culture that folks could really be surprised by um, their own reflection on themselves or pain or God or yeah. any of that. And, and all of that, um, and that's actually a really peaceful thing for me to do. I love in the evening sort of turning that on. And, I mean, podcasts have become like they're exploding. There's so right, many right. so many great ones. and. Um, I can't even keep up. I feel like it, podcasts are taking it. What used to be my Netflix is becoming my podcast. You know, yeah. just, there's all this new stuff that everybody's talking about and I want to hear and I need to check out. And, um, and then the, another avenue is I really do like to use visuals. Um, and so I've got some graphic designer friends who have turned me on to like, um, s- like stock photo websites, like free royalty free, but high end website, uh, photos. And often when I'm trying to, when I'm working on a sermon and I'm thinking about a scene or a person or a feeling, uh, I'll just scroll through some of these, you know, designer photos and see if one of them grabs me that I could put on the screen behind me while I'm talking to sort of help sort of narrate a mood. And, um, and then the last thing that I was thinking about that I've used quite a bit recently, and I don't know, this, this may or may not be controversial, but, um, I pay attention to a lot of, uh, the folks in my congregation, social media, uh, presence and, yeah. uh, especially Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, for instance, we, I, a week or two ago, um, I was talking about, um, oceans that, uh, we're in a sermon series about, uh, Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the handiwork, you know, the, of God, like that reveal the nature, the character of God. And so for the summer, we've been taking a different aspect of creation every week and saying, what does this tell us about the nature of God? And, um, and so it's a very kind of earthy, it's, it's been a challenging sermon series, but one week we did oceans. And I remembered that one of the guys in our church that week had been at the ocean, had taken a photo of, uh, the ocean, his dog swimming in the ocean. And he wrote a little comment that just said, there's a lot in life to be thankful for. And, um, and so during my sermon, I just, I, I asked his permission, but I put his Instagram photo up there and just kind of said, you know, what, like trying to make the point that, that creation speaks, it reveals something to us. It's more, he didn't say, this is my dog swimming. This is Coco. This is 
a beautiful ocean and I'm at, you know, Wrightsville Beach, you said there's a lot in life to be thankful for. And I thought, well, that's an interesting, why would anybody ever say that, you know, about a photo of some water? Hmm. Um, and tried to use it as a conversation starter. Or uh, we got folks who, uh, one week I was talking about relationship, we, we were talking about divorce, which is really hard. Uh, but I just pulled, we had like 15 couples who'd gotten married in the last year, and I knew all their Facebook pages were filled with their wedding photos. So I just went and stole wedding photos hmm. from all their pages. And the first five minutes of my sermon, I just scrolled through all the people who've gotten married in the last year and showed their photos, which not only engaged them and made them feel kind of apart and folks, you know, enjoyed that, but it, it set the ground of why this is important, what we're about to talk about for our community, especially where so many young people are still single or have recently got married and why um, we need to pay attention this morning kind of thing. So um, I'm just more and more using you know, I figure if they put it out there for the whole world anyway, I might, it's, it's good for me to use, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. um, I think those are some of the other, those are some of the new things, new resources I'm, uh, I'm sort of tapping into. Um, I listen to a number of, of preachers in a, a variety of uh, tones and styles to kind of stretch myself and make sure I don't sort of fall into a rut. And there's, and I'm always learning from, from those folks. Um, so, uh, I think that's how I, I continue to get ideas and, yeah. um, about yeah, no, structure th- and stuff. It's, it's funny. Cause sometimes even if I try to listen to a number of different sermon podcasts and, but again, it's like you say, there's so many podcasts that yeah. I want to listen to, but yeah. I, I feel like sometimes my best idea spurring for sermons comes from listening to other sermons whether in a podcast or yeah. if I end up, you know, visiting another church or something like that some given Sunday. Yeah. Even if they're not about what I'm going to be preaching about, but somehow okay. just hearing that sparks. So, totally. yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And I think sometimes, too, just the week in, week out of, you know, I'm the primary preacher at this campus right now, and I'll probably preach over 40 times this year. Um, I don't really get preached to, you know, yeah. and there's uh, a, it's easy for me to kind of start to handle this a little like with a little less reverence and to kind of like lose the fire and the spirit and the passion for it. And sometimes just sitting under great preaching reminds me like what a powerful moment this can be, what a great opportunity, what an you know insane privilege, responsibility it is to to be able to do this. And and so oftentimes it's just inspirational. Even if it's a completely different style and I know I'm not going to take any of their ideas and I can't preach exactly like them, it brings about passion for just the practice in me. So, yeah. But Well, Justin, uh, I appreciate your time. It's great to talk with you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. This is great. I really appreciate it, John. Hopefully someday we'll actually meet in person rather than just through mutual friends. That's great. I love yeah. it. I love it. Next time I'm in Texas, I'll, uh, I'll look you up. Well, as long as it's Austin, because I mean, That's Texas awesome. is pretty big. It is true. That is yeah. true. But uh, Austin's the best place to go, I think, though, right? So. I mean, that's my vote. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. You got it, buddy. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you again for listening. I hope that you'll consider sharing Sermon Smith with friends via Twitter, via Facebook. You can find links to everything that we talked about in today's conversation at sermonsmith.com, as well as all of our back shows. And there's also just a library there of all the different resources, gadgets, books, and people who use.
So if you're looking back to see or want to see what you've been the most mentioned, you can find all that at 7 Thanks for listening. See you in the fall.